This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. On today's show, we're counting down the top 10 sports business stories of 2016. Now, with Sports Business Radio, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us. One of my favorite shows of the year. Looking back on the year that was and counting down the biggest stories of the year 2016. We're also going to hear from Mark King, president of North America for Adidas. They had a huge year of growth in 2016, especially in the U.S. They saw their stock price rise from $89 to $143 a share in 2016. So we'll talk to Mark King on our show as well this week. A reminder, the next Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo Wireless is on tap for January 6th, 2017. I'll be at the University of South Florida with college football playoff executive director Bill Hancock, college football playoff COO Michael Kelly. We'll do that in front of a studio audience. If you're in the Florida area and you're a student, you're a faculty member, and you want to join us, We'll be at the Barnes Recital Hall on the campus of the University of South Florida. They have a new football coach, Charlie Strong, who is at Texas. So I'm excited to be in Tampa and talking to Bill Hancock and Michael Kelly on January 6th. We'll also be recording that show as we do with all of our road shows, and you'll hear it that week on Sports Business Radio. I'm joined in studio by our executive director, Brian Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good, and Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and all that. Happy Holidays, yeah. So, you know, our last show with David Stern, we jumped right into the interview, but Griggs, we tore up New York. Oh my gosh, we were there. I think I was on the ground for 46 hours. And you had never been to New York, right? (laughs) Never been to New York, and uh, did the whole red-eye experience, had a little delay, but got there just in the nick of time, about 40 minutes before uh, Stern hit the stage, made it happen, and then after the uh, Stern show, uh, we just dominated New York. We went everywhere. (laughs) We really did. I mean, and and it's funny, because I came back from the trip, and I watched Home Alone 2 with my daughter. (laughs) And, you know, we saw the plaza where yeah. we went that you couldn't get in because you were, you were dressed like a homeless person. Uh, we went, it. we went to Central Park. Yep. And the best highlight of the trip, other than interviewing Stern for me, was we skated at Rockefeller Center under the big tree. Yep. Yes, it was raining. Yes, there were puddles. Yes, they dropped the price from $150 to skate to $39 to yeah. skate because, uh, of the rain. We did, you know, people looked at me like a zoo animal because, you know, if you've been to Rock Center, there's like this restaurant around the rink that's indoors. So you're skating in front of these, yeah. you know, big Patrons. things of <laughs> glass and people are eating dinner. Yeah. And they're like, what are those people out there doing? And, I, you know, my motto is seize the day. Carpe yeah. diem. And <laughs> when are we going to have that chance again in New York True. during December to ice skate and you know, my friends, because my name is Brian, some of my friends, when I do put on the skates, they call me Boitano. So, <laughs> you know, I, I went to my alter ego, Boitano, and, and I got on the ice. But you guys did well. We had Brad Kinzer, our photographer, there with us. We had Jay Perry, who's my good friend, and she also happens to be uh, the COO of the WNBA. She was with us and a yep. trooper that night. So... What a fun night. Oh, man, that that was. The skating was the highlight. I mean, the tree right underneath you, the Christmas light show going on the opposite side. And at one point, it was just us four out there skating. I mean, oh, yeah. all of New York City, and we're the only four out there skating. Right, and people Pretty were, cool. like, under their umbrellas. They're looking. You know, again, I felt like a zoo animal. People are like, <laughs> who are these idiots yeah. out there? But it's like, hey, you know what? We're from Portland, Oregon. It yeah. rains all the time where oh, we yeah. live. 
this liquid isn't going to hurt us. <laughs> we'll get out there and, yeah. and do some skating. And uh, I did a little Facebook Live of the skating. But right. uh, if you want to see some pictures, we have a new Instagram page, Sports Business Radio on Instagram. You can check those out. We're also on Twitter at SB Radio. But fun trip, great conversation with Stern. The other thing we didn't talk about when we posted that show is, boy, some of the things he said during our conversation, especially in relation to the true story behind the Chris Paul to the Lakers trade, that made national news. I mean, mm-hmm. it was Sports Illustrated, it was Bleacher Report, it was CBSSports.com. A lot of pickup on some of the things that David Stern said during our roadshow event at the Players' Tribune. So that was uh, pretty neat to see as well. Yeah, it's a great trip, and uh, it, New York is fascinating. I mean, it's not ever being there and seeing it in the movies and you know all these Christmas movies and that and everything else, and then being there. It's uh, it's a very vibrant and fun city. It was awesome. It really is. I mean, and and the other thing that we saw, as you'll hear in my conversation with Mark King, because I bring it up with him, is we went to the new Adidas store. And that place is awesome. It is a huge store, the biggest retail space they have in the United States, I think maybe the world, but a great space. We went to the NBA store, and uh, you picked up some stuff. Hopefully your son's not listening to this, but uh, <laughs> yeah. if he is, we won't mention what you picked up for him. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so Fifth Avenue is vibrant any mm-hmm. time of year, but during the holiday season when they have the store windows dressed yeah. up, it, it's a pretty cool uh, deal. And again, thank you to the Players' Tribune for hosting us. You know, funny background story. So we found out we Players' Tribune is located in this amazing building. It overlooks the Hudson River. Um, and there's down the hall a place called Canoe Studios. And in Canoe Studios is Studio B, uh, for the Players Tribune, where we did our show with David Stern in front of a studio audience. But then we also do down the hall from that sports PR summit, my event that I do every May in New York. Well, as luck would have it, Griggs, the day before we were there, I guess there were 600 Victoria's Secret models in the same space we were at. The day after we were there, Players Tribune had their holiday party and Derek Jeter and Hannah Jeter, formerly Hannah Davis, supermodel in attendance. So, we had David Stern, which was great, mission accomplished, but boy, uh, imagine <laughs> if we had been in the day before with the Victoria's Secret models and seeing that show, and then been there the next day for the Players' Tribune party with uh, Derek Jeter, Hannah Jeter, and many others. Yeah. What a happening time uh, in just the building we were in when we were in New York. That's what sums up New York, too. It's like, there's probably parties and things going like that in every other building down there. I mean, there's just, right. there's so much going on and it's always something big time, too. It's not just some little, oh, you know, it's Derek Jeter, it's Victoria's Secret, it's whoever it is. It's pretty epic. Well, and it's pretty funny. Like, after we left New York and we skated at Rock Center, I've seen so many celebrities post yeah. on Instagram since we left, like, hey, <laughs> yeah. here I am skating under the tree. And I'm like, we were the only four idiots there that night. Like now, <laughs> yeah. everyone's out there skating, and including the we're stars. trending. We're trending. Well, I right? guess. Yeah, we started it. We we were the ones there first. We opened the floodgates. Now everyone feels like they need to go skating under the Rockefeller Center tree. Coming up next, Mark King, President North America for Adidas. What a year Adidas has had. We'll talk about that and his podcast. This was year one of extraordinary happens, and I think his podcast is great. He's had access to some amazing people. Conversation with Mark King coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio.
Hi, it's Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. Did you know that Super Bowl 50 broke the record for single-day Wi-Fi usage and beat last year's record before halftime? And then nearly 80% of fans use their mobile phones during live sports events? Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. And that is why major venues around the country work with Boingo Wireless to manage their wireless networks. Boingo knows fans, and they know how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. Boingo designs, installs, manages, and monetizes wireless networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Chicago Soldier Field and Phillips Arena, home of the NBA's Atlanta Hawks. Boingo is the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless services so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Sports Business Radio has teamed up with Boingo to bring you monthly stadium stories focused on how technology is changing the business of sports. I will speak with Boingo and their partners, including athletic directors, venue owners, leading sports marketers, and industry influencers who will share valuable insights you'll want to tune in for. For more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Mark King. He's joined us before. He is the president North America for the Adidas Group. He is Footwear News' Person of the Year for 2016. Mark, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Congratulations on a great 2016. Oh, thanks, Brian. It's uh, we've come a long way uh, since the first time we talked on your podcast. So, uh, yeah, it's been a great year on on just so many different fronts. So, looking forward to uh, the holiday break and then uh, you know get right back at it in seventeen. Well, we'll talk about some highlights for Adidas in a moment, but I wanted to have you reflect on year one of your Extraordinary Happens podcast, which you can find on iTunes and SoundCloud. You've had some great guests on the show. How have you enjoyed doing that? Uh, hey, you're the one that helped me get started, Brian. So I don't know about that, oh, but uh, uh, well, no, you did. Believe me, you did. So it, 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 it's been an incredible journey. That, that's what I would say. Um, and you know, obviously, we have just such a, a stable full of world class athletes and relationship with leagues and business people, and the uh, the, the just the quality of the the successful people that we had on the, on the show this year were just fantastic. Um, you know, a few of them stick out. I mean, the, the, my first, my very first one was Aaron Rodgers. So obviously, and, and he's a friend and, you know, I'm from green Bay. So that, that was really so cool to me. And then, you know, I did Snoop Dogg and my kids didn't even know that I knew who Snoop Dogg was. So <laughs> he was and then he tweeted out, you know, he tweeted out my King. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, you know, and then we had Von Miller right before the Super Bowl, and then he's the MVP, and we had Chris Bryant early in the year, and then the Cubs win, and he's the MVP of the league. So then I thought I think my cutest moment was Tori Bowie, the Olympic sprinter who won three medals. And we start out, and I say, Tori, so great to have you on the show with me. And she says, Mike, it's so great to be with you today. (laughs) (laughs) Always a great start to an interview and someone calls you by a different name. That's so awesome. And I said, Tori, it's Mark. She goes, oh, then she was so apologetic. But anyway, that was very cute. But we just, there were so many great moments. It was really, really fun, Brian. Well, I like him again, as I've told you before, you know, people in your position uh, don't often come down from the ivory tower, so to speak. You don't get to hear their personal 
uh, opinions and their personality. And, and I thought you showed great personality. I like the Stan Smith interview. I've always been a fan of his. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I thought that was really good, but, uh, you know, congratulations on getting that off the ground and sticking to it. I've seen also a lot of people in your position, they start something yeah. and they don't continue with it. So, uh, I think it's great. Obviously you have the access to some amazing people. So, right. you know, between getting to show your own personality and ask them some questions and letting us hear from those people in a different kind of conversation, I thought it was a recipe for a really good podcast. Well, we, we had a lot of fun. And to your point, Brian, we did 26 of them this year. I mean, we were committed yeah. to doing one every other week and, uh, uh, on Monday, I, I have uh, two more uh, that we're going to do, and uh, one's going to be a year-end wrap-up, which I think will be fun just to talk about, you know, kind of the key moments from, from the year. But it was really great, and uh, looking forward to doing it again next year. So it's, it's very cool. So thank you for all your support. Oh, no problem at all. And, again, you can find the Extraordinary Happens podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Like Mark just said, there's 26 episodes you guys had some really great guests on the show this year. So let's reflect back on 2016 for Adidas. I mean, if you just look at it from its basic form, a year ago, your stock price was $89. Today, it's roughly $143. That is very, very impressive. And, you know, you've got products like the Ultra Boost, the Yeezy Boost, uh, Su- Superstar. Stan Smith continues to sell. What was it about this year that was so successful about you? I'm sure there were several things, but highlight those for us. Well, I, I, honestly, Brian, I don't think you can point to any one thing. Um, and, and I say that because if I, if, if I were to tell you that the, the biggest difference between right now and a year ago, it's really the strength of the Adidas brand. The Adidas brand really over the last 18 months has become really, you know, if it's not one of the cool, if it's not the coolest, sports brand, it's certainly right at the very top. And that's representative in so many franchises and so many products that are now working in the marketplace. A year ago, we had one or two, but now we literally have a dozen different franchises, and you name them, that that are really doing well. And every time we launch a new one like NMD, we have the same success. Uh, We just launched one, the Tubular Shadow, that's just hit the streets rocking and so we just continue to launch, you know, really great products. So, you know, obviously the products are working, but I think the brand is really cool. And I think it's a combination of a lot of things. One, I, I think just the power of the Adidas brand has finally, in my opinion, been unleashed on the American market in a very big way. So in fashion, in sports, on TV, social media, podcasts, retail experience. So wherever you 18 months ago, Brian, if you went out into the world, the marketplace of America, it was hard to, to find Adidas, to see Adidas, to hear Adidas, and now we're pretty much everywhere. And we have a long way to go, um, but we're, we're in a much better place today on all fronts. Um, so, you know, great products, a lot of momentum. You know, we're, we're talking a lot to the consumer, whether it's through social media or on national TV. We've got so many great athletes that are in, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, but I, I was making some notes before we started on, on the success of our athletes this year. So you're seeing great championship moments, and they're with Adidas athletes, which that's the first time you've seen that maybe ever in America, and, and we'll review it here in a second. But, you know, just a lot of great things going on. 
Well, I think you hit on a few things. Number one, you know, I totally agree with you that in the U.S., Adidas seems so much more prominent than it was 18 months ago. I see it everywhere. I see your products everywhere. And then, you know, like you just mentioned, your roster of athletes, whether it's Aaron Rodgers and Vaughn Miller in the NFL, Damian Lillard and James Harden in the NBA, Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid in the NHL, Chris Bryant, who's now world champion with the Chicago Cubs. They stand out and they're having big moments. I'm sure one of the most difficult things for a company to do is kind of have the foresight to say, all right, which are the athletes we want to work with and which of them hopefully are going to have those big moments that bring our company even more prominence and exposure. Yeah, and, and, and hey, let's let's be honest, Brian. I mean, there's a little bit of luck also, right? I mean, yeah, you sign athletes hoping that they're going to continue to perform at the level that they have been. But but look at Lamar Jackson. I mean, we just won the Heisman Trophy, you know, at Louisville, the quarterback for Louisville. At the beginning of the year, you know, that, you know, Louisville, who was Louisville in the world of college football? Right. I mean, at the highest level. And then they've got a sophomore quarterback that, you know, sets all these records. So, you know, a little bit of luck goes a long way. Um, but it's just really fantastic. I mean, just the, this uh, Devad, uh, the guy that just won the MLS MVP. Um, I know who you're talking. Yes. Uh, yeah, David Villa. I mean, and so wherever you look, and we're not just having, you know, great moments in some sports. To, and you, you summarize it. Von Miller. Super Bowl MVP and Sidney Crosby, NHL, um, you know, the Stanley Cup champs and Chris. And, and by the way, I'm going to hit some golf balls this afternoon with Chris Bryant down at TaylorMade, so that'll be fine. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, 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 and we don't even talk about something like uh, Dustin Johnson wins the U.S. Open in golf and Jason Day becomes the number one golfer in the world. So, I mean, wherever you look right now, any sport, hockey to golf, you know, Adidas is very prominent with the best players, so it's damn exciting. Well, and you mentioned earlier, too, I, I've got to commend you, and I know some of the people that work in your, your social media department, but, boy, they do such a tremendous job of either telling the stories of your athletes, telling the stories of your product. I think, you know, if I look at a bunch of different brands, which I do regularly, I would say – that your company is towards the top of that list when it comes to using social media. So I think that's made a big difference for you, too. Uh, you know, I think, you know, when it was a strategic decision about two years ago to open what we call newsrooms, and so there's one in New York, one in Portland, and, you know, there's a group of people that all they do is stay in touch with every single day, basically 24-7, is what's happening in the world of, of sport and, and on the streets. And then telling that story, and my gosh, it's it's really changed. I I, I think if there's one thing that's driven the coolness and and the speed at which we change the the mindset of consumers in the U.S., it's it's this whole work by the the newsrooms and the social media people. It's really been fantastic breakthrough kind of stuff. Mark King, the president of North America at Adidas, is joining me. He's also Footwear News' Person of the Year for 2016. Mark, I was just in New York last week. I was sitting down with David Stern at our Sports Business Radio Roadshow, and I had a chance to stop into your new store on Fifth Avenue, and I was blown away. I thought it was fantastic. Give us a little bit of uh, insight as to... Why did you open that store in New York? It's a big store. You have a big presence there now. What was behind that strategy? 
Well, we a couple of years ago as a company, we, we decided that we would really make a big footprint in, in six cities around the world. And we have two here in the United States. So it's New York and Los Angeles and then Tokyo and Shanghai and London and Paris. So we're going to make a really big statement in those six big global cities. And, you know, the first one that we wanted to focus on was New York. And, you know, the best way to kind of have a centerpiece is to open, you know, just this really big statement store. So the store is 45,000 square feet, which is for us by far the largest store we have in the world. But I think more importantly, Brian, when you walk in, the whole idea was that you want, we wanted to create a feeling that it was a high school stadium and that we really understand sport in America. Um, and, you know, the, the, the core of sport in America is high school, where we have all these kids that are playing all these different sports, and we wanted to really give people, you know, the feeling that we were connected to sport here and to culture here in America. And I think, you know, the people that worked on it, there was a massive group of people from our global organization, from the U.S. organization, that worked on that store. And, you know, it's going to be a, a, a massive selling opportunity for us to sell our products, but I think even more importantly, and you saw it, Brian, is it's a statement and it's an experience to go in there. So if you're in New York, anyone that's listening, I, I would really recommend, you know, even if you're not going to buy anything, but to see something that's really cool, that's founded in sport, grounded in sport, it, it's a really cool uh, experience. It's on Fifth Avenue and 46th Avenue, right on the corner. You can't miss it, and it's it's, it's really something. No, I would agree. I would also second that recommendation. So, Top sports moments of 2016, you know, you already mentioned a few of them with uh, the Heisman Trophy, Lamar Jackson, and you're hitting golf balls today with the MVP, Chris Bryant of the Cubs. That was an amazing story. But what else stood out to you in 2016? Well, I'll tell you, it's been a rough fall for me, Brian, and this has nothing to do with Adidas. It's been a rough fall being a Packer fan. Uh, you know, three weeks ago, we were four and six. And we just annihilated the Seahawks, who I can't stand. So I think the top sports moment was last Sunday afternoon when we kicked Seattle's butt. Wow. Uh, and my pack is back on track. But no, I, I uh, honestly, I, I think, I think Vaughn Miller, um, and his performance in the Super Bowl for me stands out for a few reasons. One is, um, you know, I think they were they were really underdogs in the game, and you have a defensive player becomes the MVP. He's an Adidas athlete, shutting down one of our competitors' main athlete, the quarterback for the other team, the Panthers, and it just set the tone for Adidas for the entire year hmm. that we were here to compete and play. And we had all these great athletes, and from there, you know, just many wonderful things. So I, I, I just think Ron's performance in the Super Bowl, you know, was was the biggest moment for us on the biggest stage with the most people watching, and it was just really a cool moment. But but to your point, Brian, there's so many great moments that we had this year um, that you know, and honestly, in my heart, Dustin Johnson winning the U.S. Open at Oakmont, and I signed him many years ago. When he was a young kid, he still is a young kid, but when he was a really young kid and he fought through all the adversity and, 
and uh, of all of his personal things, and now he's a U.S. Open champ. That was another big highlight, I think, um, for the company. But just so many moments, and, and it's hard to not, you know, talk about Chris Bryant, MVP of the National League, and then, you know, World Series and beats the curse of the goat. And, it, you know, so that was just a, a wonderful moment. So, that was another thing. I, honestly, the curses campaign that you guys did around the Cubs was, was also yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's we just have just a lot of people looking at uh, on our team, looking at how do we express ourselves in a real creative way and a fun way, and and you know get people consumers excited about being a part of the Adidas brand. And you know we've made a, a lot of strides, but you know we have a new CEO, Brian. His name is Casper Rorstedt, and I did an interview with him in the store in New York a couple weeks ago, and I think he said it best, and that is you know we're really pleased with the progress. But, you know, we're not satisfied with where we are. So, you know, we have a long runway ahead of us to be, you know, really the, the brand that we want to be here in the States. But 16 has been a great year for us. We've never met in person, but from everyone I speak to, they, they say that you're just a kind of a laid back guy and you're a great person to work for. But explain to our listeners, what's your management style? Because I don't think that a transformation takes place like this unless the leader, you – has the right management style. Yeah, I would say it's definitely, Ryan, evolved over the years. I'm 57 years old, and, you know, I, I, I've i been in a leadership position for many years now. I was the CEO of TaylorMade for 14 years. And um, so I, I think laid back to me is, is probably not accurate. I think my outward appearance is more laid back than a lot. But I think I just have a lot of intensity around seeing people um, and creating creating an environment that allows people to express themselves, whether it's their ideas, their opinions. Um, I mean, things like uh, the the curse campaign. Those are pe- that that's because of an environment that's allowing people to do new and different things. And I, I just think we live in this world of expression and and being able to be an individual and what we call a creator. And I think the, we're just trying to create an environment that allows people um, to think and to challenge things and to do things differently. And so people, I think, uh, you know, they're really starting to, to embrace not being afraid to make a mistake or to, to challenge the way we've always done things and to do things in a new, cool way. So that's my style is to let people be expressive and, and, you know, it's kind of like my podcast, Let you know, let's try to do something extraordinary. And, and it comes from big dreams and, and, and big ideas and, and, and doing things differently. So, you know, I think I have a lot of intensity around that. Uh, not so much about the details and, you know, that we do things perfectly. So, uh, you know, that's my style. That's great insight because, you know, you see your campaigns with James Harden and your other athletes and you talk about being unique and being creators, but it sounds like that's become part of the fabric of your company. You're, you're translating that to your employees who you're also encouraging to be expressive and creative. And you know, I can tell you, I work with a lot of different companies and there's a lot of red tape at a lot of companies and it, it stunts that creativity. So the fact that you promote right. that is, is such a great thing. Yeah, and, and believe me, any any big company, and our company is very big. We have we have almost thirteen thousand employees here in North America, fifty three thousand around the world. 
I mean, you need some level of bureaucracy just to make sure that you don't have, you know, total chaos. So, but, but I think from a mindset and, and trying to tell people that the only way we're going we're gonna to sustain any level of success is to find new and different ways to do things. And, and that's really what we focus on in all kinds of different ways. Uh, around uh, innovation training for every employee and, and workshops to hack the way we manage people. So there's just a lot of behaviors that are around, let's, let's do something really cool and really great, and let's do it through the people uh, and by the people. And I, and I think people have really embraced it. They feel energized and open and challenged. And, uh, you know, I think they're excited to come to work every day. And that, that's my job is to create that environment. So, Mark, before we wrap, preview 2017 for us. I know you can't give away any trade secrets or anything like that. But, you know, this was a great year for you, 2016. What does 2017 hold in general terms? I, I think, Brian, it's a continuation of what you saw this year. Uh, so I think we'll, we'll speak louder and more often around our products and our brand than we have in the past, and, and we've started that in 15 and amplified it in 16, and I think you'll see more of that in 17. You'll see more athlete signing um, because, we, you know, at the core of our strategy is we want to be the best sports brand in the world, and you need athletes to tell that story. Um, you're going to see a big, big investment at retail because although we've made great strides the last 18 months, we've got a long way to go terms of really presenting ourselves the way we want to at retail. And then the thing that honestly drives it all, Brian, it, it is we need great products. And, and you'll see that the pipeline of, of new collaborations and new designs and new fabrications and really breakthrough products, that's really at the core of what we do. And I think you'll see really some, some really great products in 17. Well, I'm hearing great things about your Ultra Boost shoes, so I need to go out and get myself a, a pair of those because uh, those look great and they look very comfortable. I'm all about comfort at this stage of my life. So, uh, well, you, hey, I can tell you, Brian. Not only is it a great running shoe, but it's a, it's a very fashionable shoe, and it's the most comfortable shoe we make. So, I, I it, it's the, it's the best shoe we have. That's what I would say. Mark King, the president of North America at Adidas, Footwear News's Person of the Year for 2016. You can find his podcast, 26 episodes so far. Extraordinary happens on iTunes and SoundCloud. Mark, I wish you happy holidays and a healthy new year. I hope you have as much success in 2017 as you did in 2016. And I hope we can continue these conversations in the new year. I really enjoy them. We will, Brian, and we will definitely get together in the new year. I look forward to it. And thanks for having me on. Enjoy hitting balls with uh, Chris Bryant later today. I will. I will. Happy new year to you. Very good. You too, you're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Hello everyone, Mark King here, president of Adidas Group North America. One of the most inspiring parts of my job is the conversations I have every day with extraordinary people who are shaping the sports landscape. I talk to athletes, league executives, athletic directors, and agents, and now I'm bringing these conversations to you through my new podcast series, Extraordinary Happens, Competing in Sports, Business, and Life. 
This series dives deeper into what inspires the people who are leading change in sport, both on and off the field. I want to know what makes them tick and uncover how they're challenging convention to make extraordinary things happen for their teams, their businesses, and themselves. And I want to share those stories and insights with you. Tune in to my bi-weekly episodes of Extraordinary Happens on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, get out there, challenge each other, lead change, and make extraordinary happen. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right, we are back, and we are going to count down the top 10 sports business stories of 2016, according to our crack staff here at Sports Business Radio, as well as some input from you, the listener. We threw it out on Twitter, SB Radio Top 10, and we got some feedback. We put our hats on at the end of the year, Griggs and I and a few other trusted advisors and Try and come up with the top 10 sports business stories of the year. And then the other thing is, Griggs, it's kind of hard, is determining the order. You know, there's a few that I think they vie for the top three. You could probably take any one of the top three and and make it number one or two or three. But we tried our best to come up with what we felt was the best order for these 10 stories. So let's start with number 10. ESPN loses subscribers at an all-time high rate. And... I'm not talking about online subscribers. I'm talking about TV subscribers. They're bread and butter. Check this out. In November of 2016, ESPN had its worst month in the history of the network. Griggs, 621,000 cable subscribers lost in November of 2016. On average, they're losing 300,000 subscribers a month. Now, You may look at this and go, why is this happening? And, you know, my my take on this is that it's a few things. One, cord cutting is happening like we've never seen it before, right? So you've got Apple TV, you've got Amazon Fire, you've got Fubo TV, you've got Roku, you've got all these different ways that you can consume TV. But at the end of the day, Griggs, I think it comes down to the world that we live in today, which is I want my content on demand. And I want it when I want it. So whether it's this podcast, whether it's a TV show, you know, I have HBO now. I love it because I can watch my shows on HBO, my favorite network. No, I don't have any kind of deal with them, but I love HBO programming. I don't have to go, oh, my gosh, Sunday night ballers is on or uh, curb your enthusiasm. I can go back and I can watch any shows on HBO from now or the past on demand on my own time. That's the consumer today, right? So if you have 900 channels of programming via cable and you're not watching 100 of them, you don't want to pay for that anymore. And with the rates continuing to increase, I have Comcast, not happy about it, hoping to change soon or myself cut the cord because I do have Apple TV. Um it's, I think it's a mixture of things, Griggs, but I think at the end of the day, today's consumer wants their own content. So I want to come up with my own little network, whether it's HBO and ESPN or whatever it is, CNN, Fox News, whatever it would be. I want to put all these things together and I don't want to pay for 
150 channels that I'm not watching. Yeah, and I agree. It, this reminds me of when I remember when I was a kid and we first got cable. My dad saying the same thing, like, I don't, why don't, we don't watch these 25 channels. Why right. am I paying for it? And right. I, can, I can hear him saying it right now in my ear, and it's like, <laughs> totally. This is what we've always been wanting, and now it's finally coming around where we can start to set up our own network in quotes of our own cable network, and that's what's killing them. I think you're right, 100%. So the question is, when is ESPN going to go to standalone streaming, right? So like right now, the only way you can get watch ESPN is if you're a cable subscriber. You can't just get it as a streaming service in and of itself like HBO, right? So I have HBO now. I don't have to have cable. I can go through my iTunes and I can say I want to pay $14.99 a month for HBO now. At what point will ESPN say we will offer standalone streaming for live events or you know, you can go back and watch things on demand. I think that's going to be key to their business. Some people think if they do that, it's going to kill their cable subscribership. But I think for them to stay alive and in a thriving network, I mean, look, they're not going under. They're still. But what this does, Griggs, too, is it affects their rights fees that they can pay for a college football playoff, for the NBA for the NFL. I mean, they're paying billions of dollars for these things. And if you're losing 621,000 subscribers in a month, now you don't have the revenue coming in to go out and pay those rights fees. And let's face it, live sporting events is one of the most expensive pieces of programming you can buy because of the fact that people do watch it live, right? Like, again, most other things, we don't care if we watch it on demand, but if you're watching a game, if you're watching Game 7 of the World Series or Game 7 of the NBA Finals, you want to watch it in real time. If you're watching the college football playoff championship game, you want to watch it in real time, not, hey, two days later, I'm going to go back and watch the game when I already know the result. 100% agree again because, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's live sporting event. is That's the key. It's like the only thing that you really want to tune in, especially with the, all the social media now. I mean, you, you try to DVR right. it and not right. find out. Whatever. Good luck. You're going to find out in 10 seconds. I mean, someone's going to text you. You're going to see on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. And, uh, and I agree. The live streaming is the element they have to get dialed in for ESPN. So we've seen Colin Coward, my friend. We've seen Skip Bayless. We've seen others uh, migrate from ESPN to Fox Sports. Uh, Jamie Horowitz is over there. He used to be at ESPN. He's kind of handpicked some of the talent that he used to work with at ESPN to bring them over to Fox Sports. Fox Sports is growing their audience. I don't know that they'll ever be at a level where they'll want to take on ESPN with rights fees and paying out the money that ESPN pays out. But they're gaining an audience, and it's interesting to watch. And it used to be that ESPN pretty much had a monopoly on sports coverage. But I think FS1 has changed that. They've closed that gap in the last year with some of the hires that Horowitz has made. He's paying a lot of money to his talent. But um, it's going to be interesting to watch this next year. Does the trend continue where, on average, ESPN loses 300,000 subscribers a month? Or do they write the ship, figure out how to fix that? Do they get a live streaming service going what kind of fees are they going to be paying for live programming in the future? These are all things to watch. Our ninth biggest sports business story of 2016. The Yankees buy Alex Rodriguez out, and he rides off into the sunset, at least for now. And why is this of note? Well, it's of note because A-Rod made more money in his Major League Baseball career than anyone else who's ever put on an MLB uniform. And how much more did he make? Alex Rodriguez, just on the field in the course of his career. Griggs, how much did he make? I don't know. A lot. 
$399,285,000 over the course of his career. The next closest player in earnings on the field, Derek Jeter at $265 million. Not even close. Not even close. Wow. I mean, over $130 million difference between A-Rod and the next closest player. So, all in all, the Yankees, they buy him out. They will pay him more than $317 million. They'll end up paying his last official payment in monthly payments on December 31 of 2017. He's a special advisor to them. But when you look back, so he signed a 10-year, $252 million contract with the Texas Rangers in December of 2000. That at the time was like a WTF contract. Like, oh my God, Tom Hicks paid what? Because remember, he was with the Mariners and then... No one, people were coming after him, but there was no one within 50 to $60 million of what the Rangers were offering. So they blew everyone's doors off, which, by the way, if you're negotiating and you're that much higher than the second place bid, you're an idiot. Like, you you should pay $1 million than the next closest person. You're paying that much more than anyone else was offering. It was ludicrous. And what happened at the time was they said, well, they're only going to afford to be able to to pay A-Rod, and they're not going to be able to field the rest of the team. That's exactly what happened. They weren't a very competitive team. So then A-Rod gets traded to the Yankees, and then the Yankees sign him to a $275 million deal. So, I mean, if you look at this, he signed two deals worth over $200 million in the course of his career, and it's a lot of money. So A-Rod, the ninth biggest story uh Forbes said after this happened earlier this year, $480 million in salary and off-the-field endorsements over the course of his career. Again, by far the highest-paid baseball player in Major League Baseball history. Can you imagine sitting down at that meeting and, here's your contract, uh, $250 million. Does that work for you? I mean, unbelievable. Well, and twice almost, basically. And remember when he was suspended for right. a while and you know people are like, oh... You know, how is this going to end? Well, to his credit, he didn't leave any money on the table. No. Yeah. And, and you know, the Yankees had to buy him out, and they parted ways with him, and, and they actually, you know, made a playoff push without him. Um, he did a great job, I thought, during the World Series on Fox yeah, as, a, sure. as, as a studio analyst. Uh, I think he's got a bright career in TV. He's been much more active on social media. So we'll see how the the story ends with A-Rod. I mean, most people look at him and they go, wow, could have been the greatest baseball player in the history of baseball, but PEDs. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he never flat out admitted it, but everyone has that high suspicion that that he did use PEDs and that he probably won't go into Hall of Fame. You know, we talked about all of this earlier in the year, but the reason it's the ninth biggest story is because the numbers we just gave you. Yeah. I mean, the highest paid player in the history of Major League Baseball by a wide margin. Our eighth biggest story of the year, 2016. Las Vegas finally adds a team in one of the big pro sports leagues. So, you know, this isn't minor league hockey. This isn't minor league baseball. This is one of the big ones. It's the NHL. And the Vegas Golden Knights are going to start play during the 2017-2018 season. T-Mobile Arena was built specifically for them and to host concerts. So brand spanking new arena. The Black Knight Sports and Entertainment Consortium, led by Bill Foley, 
are the owners of the team. But Griggs, the reason this is such a big story is for years, people said no one will go to Vegas for a few reasons. Number one, because of gambling. And people might bet on the games and people who are playing for the team might fix the games and, you know, nothing's going to be on the up and up. The other reason a lot of people gave is because Vegas is a tourist destination. You know, can you really build a base of season ticket holders in a city where people are coming and going all the time? Yes and yes. So, you know, yes, they have it there. Yes, I think it's going to do well. And yes, I think the fact that there's finally a team in Vegas is going to open up the floodgates for potentially the NBA, the NFL, which we'll hint, hint, talk about in a little while. Um, I think we'll see other pro sports leagues move into Las Vegas. This was the first league, the NHL, to dip their toe in the pool, and now I think the coast is clear. I'm excited about it because I do like to go to Vegas, and I think it's great now there's another something to do there. You know, you can watch a show. You can go right. watch an NHL game. How cool is that? I love it. I love that the NHL is the first one in the desert, too. 100 degrees every day, and there's ice hockey. I love it. Yeah. It's um, great. By the way, as a side note, for the first time ever, I'm going to spend Super Bowl weekend. I haven't even told you this, Griggs. Oh, breaking news here. I'm going to Las Vegas. Nice. I got invited to the Super Bowl in Houston. I said, you know what? No, I'm going to Vegas <laughs> because I've never sat there in one of the sports books and seen all the prop bets yeah. and, you know, just sat there and watched the game. I think it is going to be fascinating. I'm not a big gambler, but I am really looking forward to seeing the interaction of the people. All the, you know, hey, that's cool. Is it going to be heads or tails? Is the anthem going to be, yeah. you know, three minutes over <laughs> under? Is it going to be, uh, yellow or red or purple Gatorade right. on the, like, it's just going to yeah. be really interesting to watch everything unfold. So, uh, my friend, uh, Daniel Rush, who works for the MGM, uh, is going to be hosting me that weekend. And I'm looking forward to tweeting, posting on Instagram. And certainly uh, reviewing my weekend in Vegas around the Super Bowl for this edition of uh, Sports Business Radio at that time. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. All right. When we come back, we're going to continue our countdown of the top 10 sports business stories of 2016. Happy holidays from Griggs and Berger. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Happy Holidays from Sports Business Radio. More of our countdown of the top 10 sports business stories of the year, coming up next. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. 
The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back and we are counting down the top 10 sports business stories of 2016. We are on story number seven. We've grouped these two just iconic people. The world lost, I would say, maybe two of the biggest icons in the history of sports this year. I mean, 2016 took a lot of amazing people in general, but in a sports standpoint, these two are giants. Muhammad Ali, we lost him on June 3rd, and we lost the king, Arnold Palmer, on September 25th. And, you know, we talked about both of these on our show, Griggs, but you can't understate what these two meant to not only their sport, but to the world in general, both amazing humanitarians. Muhammad Ali, someone who could go anywhere in the world, he could walk into a, a mud hut in the middle of the Sahara Desert and people would chant his name. And we saw that even more after he died. I mean, his funeral, um, the outpouring of love and affection and what he stood for, um, amazing. And then Arnold Palmer, you know, he really was the athlete that started IMG with Mark McCormick on a handshake agreement. Now IMG represents lots of different athletes and properties. Uh, he was quite the aviator. So, you know, here's a guy that had private jets and flew himself to tournaments and events before that was in vogue. Now almost all of your elite athletes are, are doing that. Um, he was big part of the reason the golf channel is on the air was a golf course designer. But when you think of the void that these two will leave and the number of people worldwide that they influenced, big, big losses in the year 2016 by losing Muhammad Ali and Arnold Palmer. Yeah, I think you're right on this because uh, both of them are just, like you said, Muhammad Ali especially. You, yeah. could go, you could go to any part of the world right. and and people know who he is. And he's, he's from a sport that's really been non-existent for the last how many ever years? And still he had relevance with people. Right. My kid knew who he was. He's 10. Well, and the thing, you could say that with both Ollie and Arnold Palmer. So Arnold Palmer retired from golf decades ago. But what they did post-career is second to none with their humanitarian efforts, with promoting sports and athletics and and. Just everything else that they did, and and they were both so good. You know, I had the the honor of meeting Muhammad Ali. Um, you know, it was in the last five or six years, so he had difficulty talking. He was he was certainly not in good health. Um, but I, I, you just look and see the impact they had, how revered they were. And look, I'm the first one to say that I think a lot of uh, celebrities and athletes are revered for the wrong reasons. You meet them and you're like, well, you're just revered because you're famous. These two should be revered because the impact they made on this world, they left this world a much better place than before they got here. And I think that's the highest compliment you can give anyone. I think uh, one thing that stuck with me with uh, Palmer is you always saw him taking time for the people. Yep. Like you'd see him on the golf course or whenever he was out and about. Shaking the kids' hands, high fiving right. guys, and that's something you don't you don't see with athletes as much anymore, especially you know, or they charge for an autograph or they do whatever they want. But Palmer always took time to stop and talk to people. It's the little interactions, you know. This is what I always say to my athlete friends: You are Santa Claus. Like people are going to remember their interaction with you, whether it's for thirty seconds or for fifteen minutes or an hour, whatever it is. They are going to remember that the rest of their life. Now, unfortunately. 
what that means for them is you've always got to be on. You've always got to have the good behavior on. If you have a bad day, you can't have a bad day with people because if you have one bad interaction with someone, that's going to be their takeaway. You may be a great person, but you have a bad day and you have a bad interaction with someone or you blow them off and they're going to go, that guy's a jerk. So these two were so good at interacting with everyone and, you know, always being on, but it was genuine. So can't say enough about Muhammad Ali and Arnold Palmer. You know, I, I can tell you in my lifetime of being around sports, I admire those two as, as much as anyone. So the fact that they were taken in the same year is the seventh biggest story of the year. And I mean, you could argue it's number one, but um, we, we put it in at number seven. The sixth biggest story of 2016, Kevin Durant leaves the Oklahoma City Thunder. He signs with the Golden State Warriors. He did it via the Players' Tribune on July 4th, wrote why he was making this decision. And Griggs, it was really a move that not only affected the Oklahoma City franchise, the Golden State franchise, but it sent an earthquake of uh, you know, resonance throughout the entire league by shifting the power. Golden State won more games last year than anyone in the history of the league. They did lose in the finals, but by Kevin Durant going there, wow. Like, you know, you have four stars on a team and you didn't think that could happen. And we'll get to that in a little bit, but, um, Golden State's pretty good. I mean, they're at, at this point, they're averaging 120 points a game on any given night. Any one of their four stars could score 60 points, as we've seen. Um, it's, it's pretty phenomenal that Kevin Durant would go. So some people said, ah, he's just joining Super Friends. You know, I, I don't like him because he's going. So then Russell Westbrook gets a lot of accolades for staying in Oklahoma City, and I'm going to try and get it done here with the team that we have. And you hear the old school guys, Magic and Bird and Allen Iverson, saying, I would have never gone and joined forces with someone else. I wanted to beat them, not join them. So it's worked both ways. But look, here's my take, and I said this at the time, at the end of the day. Kevin Durant, he, he earned the right to be a free agent. He wanted to live in San Francisco. There are a lot of business opportunities, especially in the tech sector, in San Francisco. He wanted to play with those guys. He wanted to play for a coach like Steve Kerr who makes the game easier. The ball moves easier. Uh, no one's a ball hog like he reportedly thought Russell Westbrook was. So I, I can see, like, no one has to sell me on the reasons he would make that move, but there were a lot of people that didn't like it. I think you hit on the Steve Kerr thing. I think he has a special gift as a coach. Yeah. And with his players and with the fans there. And I think that's a key. I think that really was a, a key role in Durant going there because there's so many coaches in the league that is full of stars that are not necessarily, quote, good coaches. They're just kind of guys standing on the sidelines where I think Steve Kerr really does impact that team. And I think that really, uh, was one of the main reasons he went there. But I think you're right too, living in San Fran and he's talked about all the issues he wanted to, to go there. And right. uh, why not? He's a free agent. It's his choice. Well, and credit Steph Curry, two time reigning MVP, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, like these guys, Iguodala, they went and recruited him. Remember he set up shop in the Hamptons with Jay Z and people came and visited him, including the Celtics sent Tom Brady. To recruit him. So everyone's like, oh my God, Tom Brady's going there with the Celtics. Like, Tom Brady's going to get Kevin Durant to sign with the Celtics. And, 
you know, the Warriors went in there and, you know, Steph Curry could have gone, hey, man, I'm the two-time MVP. Like, I'm not coming on my hands and knees to ask you to come play with me. And those guys went and they recruited him. And I think that made, from everything you read and from everyone I've spoken with, that visit was the reason, you know, that put him over the top there. He was like, wow, if those guys got on a plane, came to see me and pitched me on why I should come play with them, like he was humbled by that experience. So the other underlying story here is Steph Curry is a big Under Armour guy. Kevin Durant's a big Nike guy. A lot of people, there was the theory that, hey, Durant going to Golden State is going to now cancel out Curry, you know, in Under Armour. It's going to kind of negate what he does off the floor with Under Armour, he's not going to sell as many shoes or as much clothing because they're both on the same team. Um, I don't know if I buy that, but, you know, I know I've been to San Francisco since Durant signed there and, and they've got Durant Nike billboards up all around San Francisco and, and, you know, they've made a big deal of that and, uh, we'll see how it works out. I mean, you know, as we'll discuss here in a little bit, uh, these contracts with the NBA players, they are getting bigger and bigger by the year, and we'll outline that here in a few minutes. Our fifth biggest story of 2016, the Cleveland Cavaliers win their first ever NBA championship. They end the championship drought in Cleveland. LeBron delivers the title to Cleveland that he said he would. And even more impressive is that they came back from a 3-1 deficit against Golden State to win that series. So, Griggs, they're down 3-1. People are... You know, hey, this Golden State team is the greatest ever. They're better than Michael Jordan's Bulls. They won more regular season games. I mean, they were writing the uh, eulogy for the Cavs, and the Cavs come back. And i got to say, I, I'm not a big LeBron fan, if you've listened to the show for the last 12 and a half, 13 years. I have all the respect in the world for him as a basketball player. Not a big fan of him otherwise. But that was a pretty gutty performance. And Game 7... He left it all out there. I think one of the signature plays of his career was that chase down block in game seven. But he literally willed that team to victory in that series, put them on his back. You know, for years we've said, when are we going to see LeBron go into beast mode? And just, you know, he's so much bigger. He's so much stronger. He has so many more skills than most people that he goes against on the basketball floor. He just played bully ball and, and just took over and that's exactly what they needed. Now, Kyrie Irving was fantastic. You know, he hit what a lot of people thought was the dagger shot against Golden State in game seven, but that was a close game in the last five minutes. Those two stepped up and they got it done. And, you know, what a celebration it was in Cleveland, uh, after ending that drought. And, uh, you got to give the guy respect. Credit to LeBron. You know, he, he came back there to win a championship. And he got it done. And I, I agree. I mean, people compare him to Jordan, but in a playoff setting like that, I've seen Jordan compete like that. And then LeBron, I mean, those two, LeBron went out there and got that. I mean, I've never seen he him. He finally competed it was crazy. at a Jordan-esque level. Yes. I mean, if you remember when we just did our road show with David Stern, someone, one of the students asked David Stern, who would you pick, LeBron or Jordan? And I'm paraphrasing here, but David Stern said, LeBron is the greatest athlete that I've ever been around. Michael Jordan is the greatest competitor that I've ever been around. I don't think Jordan's too far off of the athlete scale there from yeah. LeBron. I wouldn't put LeBron uh, out too far in front of Jordan as far as an athlete. Matter of fact, I might still take Jordan there. 
Um, and I'm from the Jordan era, so I saw both of them play extensively. Um, and, and if anyone's asking me, I'm taking Michael Jordan 10 out of 10 times. Um, just as a, as a basketball player, if I have yeah. to win a game. Mm-hmm. But I think LeBron finally showed some flashes of I can be an intense competitor. And again, I've got better skills than everyone out here. I'm going to finally take over. And, and that's what he did. The fourth biggest story of the year 2016, this was a big one. The Rams moved from St. Louis to Los Angeles. And, you know, it was really interesting, Griggs, because you had all these different you know, owner meetings, and you had the Rams, you had the Raiders, you had the Chargers, and you had these different sites in Los Angeles. There was Hollywood Park. There was, uh, you know, the industrial area. There were, and, and then, you know, people from Disney are involved and people from this group are involved. And there's, a, and at the end of the day, Stan Kroenke, who, if you remember, if you listen to this show, and we talked about this when this happened this year, I said a few years ago, as soon as he purchased the land at Hollywood Park and he tore the racetrack down and said, I'm going to be using this for something in the future. If that wasn't the dead giveaway (laughs) that, uh, yeah, I think an NFL stadium is going to go over there. And if you have spent a lot of time in L.A. like I have, because I went to Loyola Marymount and, and lived in L.A. for five years, you know that that Hollywood Park site is so much better than the other sites they had looked at. A, it's got better freeway access. B, it's closer to LAX. C, it's closer to the beaches. Like, it just makes so much more sense in that area to put an NFL team than in the other areas that were being proposed. The other part of this story that we're kind of lumping in is the Chargers are very likely, according to multiple reports, to play in Los Angeles next year. So they have that option, right? Get something done in San Diego, and if you can't, you can become the the tenant of this new stadium that Stan Kroenke is building. Will they move? Are they going to be playing their last games in San Diego this season? A lot of people think so. You know, San Diego has had many opportunities to put in some public money to get a new stadium built. Hasn't happened. Don't think it's going to happen. So unless something happens in the 11th hour, it looks like San Diego is going to go join the Rams in L.A. And by the way, the Rams have been putrid since they've been back. They just fired Jeff Fisher, their coach. Are they going to hire a John Gruden or a splashy head coach? Because right now, when everyone was super excited for NFL to return at the beginning of the season, now that stadium's half empty because people are like, they're scoring like six points a game. Jared Goff, not very good. Todd Gurley, can't run the ball. Like, it's a boring brand of football. So if they don't inject some life into that franchise, maybe San Diego becomes the marquee L.A. team. And then the other team that could move, and this is going back to our Vegas conversation from earlier when the NHL has already moved there, the Raiders and Mark Davis, son of Al, late Al, um, they want to move to Vegas. Now, will the other voters in the NFL, the other owners, will they vote for that? Will it get passed? But Las Vegas has been aggressive with saying, we want the Raiders here. We will pay a lot of money to build a facility to have you here. Is it going to happen? I think Oakland is much like San Diego. You've had every opportunity to keep your team there for years. You have not built a new facility. And if you're not going to do it and there's another city that's going to do it, the Raiders are business people. 
And I think they see Vegas as a, a real viable option. And I think it's going to happen. So we'll see. But uh, you could be t- looking at basically three relocations in the span of a year and a half. The Rams, the Chargers, the Raiders. I don't know if that's great for your league. We talked to David Stern about at what point can these leagues who are making billions of dollars a year play bank? So, all right, San Diego, we're the NFL. We're going to loan you money to build a new stadium so we keep you in San Diego. You'll pay that back over time. So instead of having bonds with the city, you're going to deal with us as the league. But these leagues, and you heard David Stern say it, they're not willing to do that at this point. So as long as they're not willing to do that, we're going to continue to see relocations. All right, coming up next, our top three sports business radio stories of the year 2016. Happy holidays. We'll be right back. We're counting down the top 10 sports business stories of the year. The show continues after this. No place to go. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Hi, it's Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. Did you know that Super Bowl 50 broke the record for single-day Wi-Fi usage and beat last year's record before halftime? And that nearly 80% of fans use their mobile phones during live sports events? Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. And that is why major venues around the country work with Boingo Wireless to manage their wireless networks. Boingo knows fans, and they know how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. Boingo designs, installs, manages, and monetizes wireless networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Chicago Soldier Field and Phillips Arena, home of the NBA's Atlanta Hawks. Boingo is the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless services so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Sports Business Radio has teamed up with Boingo to bring you monthly stadium stories focused on how technology is changing the business of sports. I will speak with Boingo and their partners, including athletic directors, venue owners, leading sports marketers, and industry influencers who will share valuable insights you'll want to tune in for. For more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. This is Sports Business Radio. We're counting down the top 10 sports business stories of 2016. We're all the way down to number three. We lumped this one together as well. Major League Baseball and the NBA have new collective bargaining agreements. This is great news for fans. It was really a no-brainer. Both of these leagues are swimming in money, and I mean billions of dollars of money. But Major League Baseball, late in the year, signed a five-year agreement on a new CBA. So Griggs' 21-year streak of labor peace for Major League Baseball. And then the NBA signed a seven-year collective bargaining agreement. That ensures labor peace through the 2023-2024 season. So... You know, again, these are multi-billion dollar leagues. MLB is making between 8 and $10 billion a year. The NBA making $8 billion a year. Keep in mind, baseball, twice as many games as basketball. But let me give you an example of just how much money is out there. You know, and some of this we talked about with David Stern at our roadshow a few weeks ago. The average price tag on an NBA uh, franchise right now. If you want to buy an NBA team, you're looking at anywhere from 1.5 to 2.5 billion dollars. So franchise values are going through the roof. 
Very similar with Major League Baseball. But the new CBA, you know, we're going to see players' salaries skyrocket, Major League Baseball, but especially the NBA. So LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, all of them can become unrestricted free agents next summer. They'll be able to earn $36 million a year. They'll be able to sign five-year deals with their existing teams for $210 million. Griggs, in LeBron James's playing career, Kevin Durant, probably Chris Paul, there is a very good chance that each one of them, at some point during their career, will have a season where they earn $50 million for a single season. Now, as I've said many times on this show, I think those elite players, they're worth every penny you give them because not only are they excellent players, are they going to win you ball games, but what they mean to the franchise value, when Kevin Durant goes from Oklahoma City, their franchise value decreases, Golden State's increases. What does it mean to all the businesses, the sponsors, the TV deals that you can sign? They are little corporations in and of themselves moving from one team to the other. They bring Nike or Under Armour or whoever it is with them. They're, they're corporations. So I don't fault them for getting that kind of money. But like, I remember back in the day when I was growing up and, you know, like Magic Johnson signed a, a contract and, you know, first it was a million dollars and then, you know, towards the end of his career, $10 million and people thought, that was like ludicrous. $10 million <laughs> yeah. to Magic Johnson? Are you kidding me? And now we're talking, there may, there may be players that make $50 million a year. Unbelievable. But again, when you have TV networks paying billions of dollars to fund your league, now you're swimming in money. So the players deserve a good share of that money. And you're right. They're like little corporations, each one of these stars. And I totally agree with you. It's like... Because they're bringing, it's not just their ball skills they're bringing to the court. They're bringing business. They're bringing fans. They're bringing all this stuff comes with these guys. So they're worth that. But that's fifty million in a season is just insane. That's crazy. The other thing that's worth noting with these CBAs is, you know, we talked about this earlier this year. Major League Baseball, a new commissioner and a new players rep went head to head at the bargaining table for the first time. So Rob Manfred, the commissioner, and Tony Clark, players union rep. NBA, Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts. So I give those four people a lot of credit for instead of saying, hey, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to make my mark here at the first time at the shootout at the OK Corral. Like they said, you know what? We are going to dig in on this long before the expiration date for the CBA. And yes, the NBAs came up, you know, they were right at the deadline for the opt out on December 15th. But they got it done. There's labor peace. That's what the fans want. And the fans would not understand on any level if you tried to tell them, well, this is why we're locking players out or this is why there's a work stoppage. When you have leagues that are generating this kind of money, if you can't find out how to you know, divide the pie, so to speak, fans are going to go, I got nothing for you and, and I'm going to turn you off. And you know, with all these other distractions out there, by the way, esports and drones and social media and everything else. Like, if you don't hold that mind share with the fans, they're going to turn you off and go to something else real quickly. So that was our third biggest story. Major League Baseball, NBA, get their CBA deals done. Second biggest story. This happens anytime there is 
and Olympic Games, winter or summer. This year we had the Summer Olympics. And really the stars of the Summer Olympics, Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt, Simone Biles. So let's start with Phelps. Phelps, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, this is his bow. It's his swan song. You know, maybe he shouldn't even be coming back. I hope he doesn't embarrass himself. Uh, I'd say he did pretty well. So, you know, he holds the all-time record for Olympic gold medals, 23. Uh, Olympic gold medals in individual events, 13. So, I mean, this is the most decorated Olympian ever. He, I think the one of the most important things he did is he got married. He had a child. So, for a long time, you know, DUIs, pot smoking pictures, you're like, Michael Phelps is kind of a mess. And, you know, it was even documented that he contemplated suicide. Like, a lot of stuff going on with him. You could tell at these Olympics that he was a different person, that he enjoyed it more. You saw his wife and his son, Boomer, who's the cutest little guy and great follow on Instagram, by the way. Um, They were there. It meant the world to him. And, by the way, Phelps showed up in a big way. Like, this was not just a curtain call. This was, I'm going to get in the pool and win some more gold and distance myself from anyone else who might ever think of catching me as far as winning medals as an Olympian. So Phelps was amazing. The kind of the black eye on the whole uh, Olympics was the Ryan Lochte. I was just going to say that, yeah. <laughs> Saying, I mean, that guy, wow. Train wreck. <laughs> that was a train wreck. And yeah. I'm not even going to give that any airtime no. here other than saying that was a complete embarrassment. But um, Usain Bolt. So, you know, he's won nine gold medals. He won three more gold medals at the 2016 Olympics in Rio. So he added to his legend as maybe the, the greatest track and field Olympian in the history of the Olympics. Uh, Simone Biles, you know, she was very, you see these companies, credit card companies, the cereals, they, they bet on athletes before the games and, hey, this person, we're going to do endorsement deals with them because we think they're going to be a star. Boy, did they get it right with her. So she was part of the final five, the gymnastics team that won the gold medal that was dominant. But she herself was dominant. So uh, 2016 Olympic individual all-around vault and floor gold medalist. She's part of the gold medal winning team dubbed the final five, as we just said. She won five medals overall this past summer, including four gold medals. And, you know, you saw her everywhere with... Michael Phelps, and if she's part of the closing ceremonies, she has almost a million followers on Twitter. She's got almost that many on Instagram. Like, she's become a big brand, and she's young. So she is probably going to continue to compete. Like, if you're betting on anyone who could potentially sniff Michael Phelps's medal record, it might be Simone Biles. If she decides to stick around for, you know, several Olympics like he did. But, uh... She was great. You know, she's become friends with Steph Curry and LeBron James. And um, it's been fun to watch her development. I, You know, she's this tiny little thing, but she's got a, a radiant smile. And boy, can she compete. Yeah, I love the thing about her. I love about her is just her innocence look. I mean, yeah. she's just like she's having fun. She's right. a kid out there having fun and yeah. winning gold medals. And she she almost looks like she's surprised by it, which I love that because she's humble. Yeah. And she was great. And Usain Bolt is phenomenal to watch. That guy wow. almost looks like he's not even trying. I it mean, looks he like just, he's like, he has jets It's on. insane. Like, his running technique, he just looks amazing when he runs. It's fun to watch his, just how he runs. It's awesome. And then yeah. Phelps, of course. He he LeBron James did in the pool. Right. I mean, he's like, I'm going to go out and get this record. I'm going to win gold. Boom. Yeah. 
No, it, it was fun. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about, oh, my God, is there going to be terrorism in Rio? Is there going to be, uh, you know, dirty water in Rio? Like, you know, we talked about all the concerns on this show earlier in the year. What's going to happen with NBC or the ratings? Like, at the end of the day, it all turned out okay. There was no terrorism. There was no one that we know that got sick in the water. Uh, you know, there were some problems here and there. But overall... Rio was a success as a host and NBC got good ratings and, you know, they're paying a bazillion dollars for the game, so they should get good ratings, but they did some good things there. All right. Our top story of 2016. And again, you could take any one of these top three and make them number one, but we felt like this was the top story, the Chicago Cubs and the 108 year drought and they win the World Series and Griggs, it was a seven game classic against the Cleveland Indians, who also have had a long drought. Um, it was a competitive World Series. Every game came down to the end. That game seven was, you know, I'm a, I'm, I've been a Cubs fan since I was a young boy. Uh, I grew up in Phoenix. So, you know, until the Diamondbacks came along, which was after I left for college, we didn't have baseball and the Cubs were the team. And, you know, Ryan Sandberg and Andre Dawson and Greg Maddox. And so I grew up on the Cubs, Mark Grace. Um, so, and I didn't even live in Chicago. So you see all that went on with this and, and just the stories of people who were old and okay, I can die now that, that hundred plus year old woman that like two days after the Cubs won the World Series, she died. Like it was like, okay, my Cubs won. I can die now. Like the people that went and listened to, Game seven at the cemetery with their dead relative because that relative had been a huge Cubs fan and they wanted to be with that person in the cemetery when history was potentially made. There were so many stories, the crowds that gathered outside of Wrigley during game seven and the parade that happened afterward. The money around this, though, is staggering. Forbes estimates that since the Cubs won the World Series, which is just a few months ago. The value of the franchise has increased by $300 million. They value at the Cubs now, the Cubs at the, in the neighborhood of $2.5 billion. Now, as I always say, it's just like real estate. A team is worth what someone is willing to pay, right? Steve Ballmer paid a ton of money for the Clippers and people thought that was crazy. But, you know, if you had the right group or the right person who came along, someone may pay $5 billion for the Cubs. You never know. But the point is, They've increased in value. They're now champions. The money around the World Series, whether it was a ticket to the game, which all-time high at, at Wrigley Field, there were Cubs fans that found it easier to get a ticket in Cleveland at Progressive Field than to get a game ticket at Wrigley Field. So they came for game six and seven and got tickets there easier, which a lot of Cleveland fans were angered about. How come you're selling tickets to the, the other team, but if they're willing to pay... I guess you're going to sell them a ticket. The bars around Wrigley Field, the Cubby Bear and others, we talked about cover charges in the hundreds of dollars just to walk in the door, Griggs. Forget about having a beer, food, anything else, just to walk in the door and be amongst the other Cubs fans. You're going to pay several hundred dollars to do that. So lots of dollars and cents around what Chicago winning a World Series meant. But, you know, when you tally up the TV rights, 
Wrigley Field. Uh, the Ricketts family has paid for a lot of the real estate around Wrigley Field now. So if you were to package that all up, I think it's worth more than $2.5 billion. I think it's probably worth closer to $4 billion. But, you know, again, I don't think the Ricketts family is going to be selling the Cubs anytime soon. The guy who I have said many times, I think, is is just a genius in sports. Every once in a while, those people come along. Theo Epstein. I mean, look at this guy. He turned the Red Sox around and broke the curse there. He turned the Cubs around and, you know, he said, give me five years. Well, five years after you've waited previously 103, like, you're like, five years? You're going to turn this around? Wow, that's amazing. So he's ended the Red Sox drought and the Cubs drought. And heading into the next season, I'll bet you Vegas has the Red Sox and the Cubs as the two favorites because the Red Sox just boosted their bolstered their pitching staff with Chris Sale. So they've got some aces stacking their pitching staff. They've got some pretty good hitters. And, and I think the Cubs are the favorites in the NL again. They've got a young team. Wouldn't it be amazing if those two teams met up in 2017 in the World Series? But you know, all in all, the baseball ratings for the World Series, you know, they had declined over the last few years. They were up big time, especially for games six and seven on Fox. So the Cubs are a big draw and breaking through after 108 years. That's our top business story of 2016. I agree. And, you know, it was fun watching the World Series because my 10 year old son was really into it this year. And uh, not a huge baseball guy, but he's sitting there. We're watching every game together. He's Instagramming out pictures of him watching them with his buddy on TV and stuff. And that's cool because I think we've talked about before on the show how baseball has maybe lost some of the younger crowd. Right. And I think they pulled some back with the Cubs. We're not even Cubs fans in our in our family. We were rooting for mm-hmm. them, but it's not. We don't have a history of you know right. being the fans. But we were into it, watching every game, making sure we were home, watching it live. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it's great. Well, and and like we said earlier, like it it brought parents and their kids together like you know your kids may have no interest in baseball but you see how excited the parents are about potentially you know your team breaking through and winning and it was just cool to watch I don't think there was anyone after the Cubs won other than maybe Indians fans diehard Indians fans who was oh that sucks that the Cubs won like people were like hey the lovable losers finally got it done and uh, I posted it in a few places on social media but I jumped into a freezing Lake Oswego after the Cubs won the World Series. So I literally jumped into a very, very cold lake in celebration of the Cubs getting it done after 108 years. That's our top story of 2016. When we return, we'll cap 2016 with our final segment of 2016. It's been a great year. We'll look back at some of our favorite moments and maybe have a few predictions for 2017. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. What fun it is to ride and sing a slaying song tonight. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells. Hello, everyone. Mark King here, president of Adidas Group North America. One of the most inspiring parts of my job is the conversations I have every day with extraordinary people who are shaping the sports landscape. I talk to athletes, league executives, athletic directors, and agents, and now I'm bringing these conversations to you through my new podcast series, Extraordinary Happens, Competing in Sports, Business, and Life. This series dives deeper into what inspires the people who are leading change in sport, both on and off the field. I want to know what makes them tick and uncover how they're challenging convention to make extraordinary things happen for their teams, 
their businesses, and themselves. And I want to share those stories and insights with you. Tune in to my bi-weekly episodes of Extraordinary Happens on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, get out there, challenge each other, lead change, and make Extraordinary Happen. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We're back for our final segment of 2016. Thank you so much for listening to us over the course of the year. If you just found us for the first time, I hope you continue listening. Best ways to do that, go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. You can go to uh, sportsbusinessradio.com. You can go to Audio Boom, Stitcher. We're on a number of different places. Uh, we've been podcasting since 2007. If you go to iTunes, you'll find 300-plus episodes of our show. David Stern, Mark Cuban, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, Sugar Ray Leonard, Steve Nash, Kyrie Irving, you name it. They've been on this show. Very proud of that. Uh, Brian Griggs, our executive producer, is just a wizard when it thank comes you. to making our, our show sound good. So thank you so much. Griggs, favorite moment of 2016, and then give me one prediction for 2017. As we talked about in segment one, I got to say going to New York with you and uh, Bradley was my highlight. Yeah. Uh, not just for the city, but David Stern was a phenomenal show and right. great guy. Fun to meet him. Fun to just hang out and talk with him for a while. And yep. uh, yeah, but I mean, New York was just fascinating. And to go at Christmas and to ice skate and to see all these places I've seen for my whole life on TV. And right. It was cool. So that was definitely my highlight for 2016. Prediction for 2017. Prediction: Durant's going to get his championship. I think Golden State's going to win the okay uh, win the NBA, NBA Finals, and I think it will be a rematch with okay. Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, if you go by the odds and yeah. what Vegas and others say, but, you know, it's pretty much a coin toss between yeah. Cleveland and Golden State for a lot of fans. So you think Golden State will get it done. So yep. I would agree with you for, for my favorite memory of 2016. We had a lot of great guests on the show. Um, I love getting to know people like Marquette King of the Raiders. Right. Carolyn Joyce. Yeah, that was cool, too. Uh, great. You know, the fun thing about doing Sports PR Summit is – I've met some really neat people who have become guests on this show. Um, we might do some other things with them in the future, but I, I've really enjoyed getting to know those people. But for me, sitting down in person with David Stern at the Players' Tribune and doing our show in Studio B uh, in December, that was definitely the highlight. And frankly, one of the highlights of the 13 years that I've been doing this show. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, and, you know, like I said, I think he's the best commissioner in the history of pro sports. So for him to sit down with me for an in-depth conversation was just really cool. So, and I loved being in New York this time of year too. So that's, that's my highlight as well. 2017, I think we are going to see the first coach, whether it's football, basketball, whatever, who's going to earn $10 million a year plus hmm. in salary. So, you know, nice. you see Phil Jackson, but he's not a coach anymore. He's making $12 million. Mm-hmm. You know, Theo Epstein makes 10 plus million as the architect of the Cubs. But I'm talking about a coach. Is it going to be Jim Harbaugh? Is it going to be Nick Saban? Is it going to be Bill Belichick? Is it going to be Greg Popovich? Who's it going to be? But I think this year we're going to see a coach get 10, 10 million plus dollars. It could be the Rams new coach. I mean, to lure someone there, in a marquee market, if it was like, let's say, a John Gruden, mm-hmm. someone of that ilk, you know, he's making six and a half million dollars at ESPN right now. I think we're going to see someone earn $10 million a year or more as a head coach on the pro or college level. So I like that. That's my prediction. What for, about uh, Super Bowl? Oh, boy. You're getting yeah. into that already, <laughs> Cow- huh? Cowboys, maybe? Patriots? You know, I, I, I think. <laughs> 
you know, uh, to me, I think it's going to come down to Oakland and New England mm-hmm. and the AFC. Mm-hmm. Although, don't sleep on Kansas City. They yeah, they true. just win. Um, but I think it's Oakland and and New England in the AFC, and I think it's Dallas and Seattle in the NFC. And yeah, I agree. I'm not totally convinced. I, you know, I think the Dallas rookies have been phenomenal, Dak and Zeke. Their defense has been better than most people think. Mm-hmm. I'm still not convinced. I think Pete yeah. Carroll and Seattle and Russell Wilson, they know how to rise at the right time. It's true. Um, my sleeper in the NFC, so I said Kansas City in the AFC is a sleeper. My sleeper in the NFC would be the Giants. And yeah. some people would say, oh, they're not a sleeper. They're 10 and 3 or 10 and 4, but I don't know. Their defense is really good. And yep. some people have compared them to Denver last year where their offense is good enough to score some points and yeah. their defense will just shut you down like Denver did. So when they get in the playoffs where teams tend to score less points, yep. if you've got a, a bruising defense, they may come in and, and beat a Dallas or maybe even beat a, a Seattle. Seattle's yeah. problem is they've had a hard time scoring, but their defense is pretty darn good too. So yeah. if I had to go out on a limb, I'm going to stick with what I said before the season, which is New England and Seattle. Yeah. And nice. if, we, if we had a rematch there of what we had a few years yeah. ago in Arizona, I certainly would be <laughs> pleased with that. And again, as I said earlier in the show, I'm going to be spending Super Bowl weekend in Vegas. Lucky dog. And camping out in one of the sports books, probably the MGM or the Bellagio, and just posting up and, and watching the game. And so, uh, I heard maybe a concert down there, too. Uh, we'll see. Right. Yeah. I, I don't want to say who it is, because uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. People might lose respect for me, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, I love it. We'll uh, we'll see what happens All there. Right. <laughs> a reminder: the next Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo Wireless will take place on January sixth, twenty seventeen. That'll be our first show of the year. I'm going to be doing an interview at the University of South Florida with College Football Playoff Executive Director Bill Hancock, College Football Playoff COO Michael Kelly, days before the championship game on. January 9th. So that's going to be a great conversation. We're using the hashtag SBRadioCFP, like college football playoff. Hashtag SBRadioCFP to do that. And we may get to your question. Uh, Tagboard, our friends at Tagboard are going to be providing our social media visualizations at the show again. We were trending in New York uh, for the David Stern Sports Business Radio Roadshow in December. We expect to be trending again at University of South Florida, if you're going to be in the Tampa area, if you're a fan of one of the schools that might be playing in the championship game, come join us 1 p.m. January 6th at the Barnes Recital Hall, University of South Florida. We will have a studio audience. We'd love to have you join us. You may get to ask a question to Bill Hancock and Michael Kelly. Thanks to our friends again at Boingo Wireless for sponsoring our road show. You can follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. Thanks to our friends at Tagboard for providing the social media visualizations for our Sports Business Radio Roadshow events. Follow them online at tagboard.com or on Twitter at Tagboard. A podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We are rated in the top 100 business news podcasts. You can also find our show at Audio Boom and TuneIn Radio and Stitcher. And, of course, everything is at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Our Twitter feed has been named a top 50 sports business must follow by Forbes. We are on Instagram now. Type in Sports Business Radio on Instagram and give us a follow.
For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Happy holidays. Have a happy new year. Be safe. Don't drink and drive. We will talk to you from the University of South Florida that uh, week of January 6th around the college football playoff. We'll have the show posted. Happy holidays to everyone. Be safe. And here's a special greeting from my little sweetie. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. Comet and Cupid and Dahmer and Blitzen. But do you recall... Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.